Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this Therapeutic Thursdays podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members sit down to discuss what's new and going on in the world of therapeutics. My name is Davina Del Steinbeck, and I am the Manager of Pharmacy Clinical Services and the PGY-1 Residency Program Director at SSM Health, St. Mary's Hospital in St. Louis. I will be your host today for this episode. With me today are Becca Nolan, who is Pharmacy Coordinator for Medication Use Policy and Education at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky, and Brian Bond, who is an antimicrobial stewardship and infectious diseases pharmacist at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks for joining us today, Becca and Brian. Let's get into today's topic, mixing and matching of COVID vaccine boosters. So our first question for you guys is, in what situations is it appropriate to mix and match COVID vaccines? Let's start with Becca. Yeah, I think one of the most important parts to make when discussing mixing and matching COVID vaccines right off the bat is that this is only recommended by the CDC for booster vaccines and not the primary series. So if you get an mRNA vaccine, either Moderna or Pfizer, your second dose should still be with that same mRNA vaccine. If you're immunocompromised, your third or completion dose, which is still considered the primary series, will also be with that same mRNA vaccine. Of course, with the Johnson and Johnson or Janssen, and I'll call it J and J throughout the podcast, um, that vaccine's a little bit different since the primary series is just one vaccine or one dose. The other comment I'll make up front is that this information is updated fairly rapidly and can be confusing at times, especially with various products and frequent changes. The most updated information can be found on the CDC's website. The CDC does have a really fantastic table that lists the most updated vaccine schedule information for patients based on age, the first vaccine used, and immunocompromised status. So we will link that in the podcast show notes. The current guidance suggests that If you received an mRNA primary series, you should get an mRNA booster in most situations five months after your primary series. This is now recommended for everyone over the age of five years old. This was just reduced from 12 years old um, back in May. Of course, the brand used will be determined by the patient's age as Moderna is only approved for patients 18 and up um, and Pfizer for five and older. So at this time, the mixing and matching approach really only applies to patients who are 18 and up. Because patients less than 18 only have the one vaccine approved, Pfizer. So then I'll hand it over to Brian to go through the CDC recommendations. Yeah, thanks. So briefly, I'll run through the recommendations for patients who aren't immunocompromised first. Um, You can find a full list of immunocompromising conditions on the CDC's website. Um, Before we get any further, I'll also preface this by you may have to refer back to the table at some point because, you know, these certainly can uh, get a little complicated. Um, But if someone starts with the J&J vaccine, they'll need a booster two months after and preferably with an mRNA vaccine in most situations. We'll talk about the data suggesting an mRNA booster in a bit. If someone received an mRNA vaccine primary series, they can receive either a Pfizer or Moderna booster five months after their second dose in that primary series. Either product is recommended by the CDC at this time. And again, we'll discuss the data on that in a little bit. 
In patients who are immunocompromised, if they receive a J&J primary series, they'll need a one-dose primary series of the J&J, and then their second dose 28 days later of an mRNA vaccine to complete that primary series. CDC recommends at least one booster and then potentially a second booster as well. Um, CDC does recommend to administer an mRNA vaccine only in this circumstance. If they receive an mRNA vaccine to start, they'll need a three-dose primary series, as mentioned earlier, of either Pfizer or Moderna in adults. Um, They can also receive their second booster three months after the third dose um, again, on the CDC, the table on the CDC's website is extremely helpful as it can be fairly confusing. Now that we've discussed how to do the different series, I'm curious to ask you guys, what is the proposed mechanism behind how mixing and matching vaccines work? Brian, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, so thanks. I think that's a really interesting question scientifically. And I think there's two major questions that exist here. One, is there an added benefit of using a booster vaccine that is different than the primary series, which we'll discuss the data behind more shortly? And two, if a benefit does exist, what is the mechanism? So we'll start with the the question of the mechanism. So the concept of utilizing vaccine series with heterologous targets for viral illnesses is not a new one and has been previously studied for other viral illnesses, including HSV, HIV, Hep C, influenza, and Ebola. Uh, with varying degrees of success. For the sake of this question, let's consider why there may be a benefit derived from mix and match vaccination series in COVID-19. Both the mRNA vaccines and the J&J vaccine elicit immune response by um, producing copies of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein on host cells, either via direct introduction of mRNA or introduction of DNA through an inactive adenoviral vector. Of course, none of these vaccines contain live virus is capable of causing SARS-CoV-2 infection, so keep that in mind. All three of these vaccines approved in the United States have been shown to cause antibody development, um, particularly antibody-mediated immunity with B cells and cellular-mediated immunity via CD4 and CD8 cells. The degree to which immune responses of each of these targets are produced varies from vaccine to vaccine. The theoretical benefit of mixing and matching vaccines comes in here as the development of durable cellular and antibody-mediated immunity may provide the strongest protection against COVID-19 infection. Thus, if one vaccine were to uh, provide strong antibody-mediated immunity and another strong cellular-mediated immunity, a greater protective effect would theoretically be observed in combination. However, this theory does require further data to demonstrate clinical efficacy. That is interesting information. Can we now discuss the data that tells us if mixing COVID boosters is effective? Becca? Yeah, thanks. So some of the best data we've seen published in this space is from the New England Journal of Medicine um, in early 2022 by Atmar and colleagues. So I'll be focusing on that study here. This is a phase one, two open label study conducted in the United States in adults who had completed their primary COVID vaccine series of any of the three COVID vaccines that are currently available in the United States, at least 12 weeks earlier. What they did was assign 458 patients to receive either a Pfizer, Moderna, or J&J booster and looked at reactogenicity, neutralizing titer, and IgG or binding antibodies. So patients could have gotten the same booster as their primary series or either of the other two vaccines. So there were nine total groups in the study with about 50 participants per group. The study authors didn't look 
at a clinical outcome specifically, but this has given us enough information to get a CDC recommendation to mix vaccine boosters. So starting with safety, there were two serious adverse um, events deemed to be unrelated to the trial vaccination during the study. Most of the other adverse drug reactions were deemed mild or moderate in about 12 to 16% of the patients, and only four were, de were deemed related to the trial vaccine. And um, so there was one in the Moderna arm, the patient had vomiting, and three in the J&J &J had an ADR, and those were vomiting, fatigue, and insomnia. Injection site adverse drug reactions were common in all three arms, um, about 75 to 86% in Moderna, 71 to 84% in J&J, &J, and 72 to 92% in Pfizer. Moving on to efficacy, all groups had an increase in antibodies after any of the boosters. For participants with an mRNA booster, this could be either Pfizer or Moderna, an increase in binding antibody titer or that IgG uh, of at least twofold occurred in almost all patients, regardless of primary vaccine series. The J&J booster also increased antibody titers, but to a much lesser degree compared to those mRNA boosters. Um, if we think about it another way, patients who had a primary J&J series had a significant increase in IgG and neutralizing antibody titer after an mRNA booster. They uh, saw a 55-fold and 73-fold increase for IgG and neutralizing antibody, respectively, for the Moderna, and then 34 and 36-fold uh, uh, increase for IgG and neutralizing antibody for Pfizer. Patients who had J&J &J primary and a J&J &J booster only had a five-fold increase in IgG and four-fold four in neutralizing antibody. This information is what helped the CDC determine that all patients with the J&J primary vaccine should receive an mRNA booster, um, preferred over a J&J &J booster. If you have received an mRNA primary series, the J&J &J booster will help some, but not as much as an mRNA booster. Um, for example, patients who had a Moderna primary series had a five-fold increase in IgG and six-fold increase in neutralizing antibodies after the J&J uh, vaccine. Um, these patients may be slightly better off with another Moderna vaccine, which showed an eight-fold increase in IgG and tenfold in neutralizing antibody, or with Pfizer, which showed a tenfold increase in IgG and twelve-fold increase in neutralizing antibody, respectively. Antibodies are not the only way the immune system protects against COVID, and the study did look at T cell response as well. So the CD4 and CD8 T cells increased in most of the combinations, except for those who received a primary J&J &J and then were boosted with a J&J. &J. Um, though the CD8 T cells were higher at baseline for those patients with a J&J &J primary vaccine. If either the CDC or I have convinced you that you should get an mRNA booster, the next question that I typically receive is, should I get the Moderna or Pfizer? So in this study, patients with a primary Moderna series had very similar increases in IgG and neutralizing antibody after either a Pfizer or Moderna booster. Patients who received a primary Pfizer had a bit more efficacy from a Moderna booster. So a 17-fold versus a 15-fold increase in IgG with Moderna versus Pfizer respectively, um, and a 32-fold versus 20-fold increase in neutralizing antibody comparing Moderna versus Pfizer. The study does have a few notable limitations I should mention, um, so we keep them in mind. It was not a randomized controlled trial. The sample sizes were relatively small and may not have been representative of the population. The follow-up period was only 29 days, although we do expect to see data through 12 months. 
um, eventually. They all also used a full-dose Moderna um, booster, but the booster-approved dose is, of course, half of the full dose. This trial was completed prior to the Delta or Omicron variants, but we do know um, mRNA boosters protect patients from infection and hospitalization or death um, from either Delta or Omicron based on other studies. So based on an increase in antibody titers, we can conclude that either mixing or matching is effective in terms of immunogenicity. Now, of course, this data does not, strictly speaking, tell us um, that the patients with boosters had less cases, hospitalizations, or death from covid but other studies have shown there is a correlation between IgG and neutralizing antibodies with preventing COVID. So when mixing and matching COVID vaccines, is one vaccine manufacturer preferred over another? Brian? Yeah. So in most scenarios, um, boosters with an mRNA vaccine are going to be preferred over the J&J vaccine. Um, and this is not necessarily the recommendation from the CDC preferring one over the other. Specifically in patients that received a primary J&J series, boosting with an mRNA vaccine is recommended. Um, in multiple studies investigating heterologous boosters in patients using J&J primary series, including the previously mentioned study by Atmar and colleagues and another study um, from January 2020 that looked at boosters specifically in patients receiving primary J&J series, boosting with Moderna um, led to a greater increase in IgG levels, neutralizing antibody titers and T-cell response than either of the other two manufacturers. Um, if a patient received a primary mRNA series, current recommendations state that either a heterologous or homologous booster may be given. So um, boosting with Moderna did result in a higher 29-day IgG levels um, in that previous study from Atmar and colleagues. However, again, it's important to note that that was a full dose rather than a half dose booster. Um, and further data are needed to ascertain whether an efficacy benefit is truly there based on those higher antibody levels. Um, there are a few instances when J&J boosters could be considered. J&J um, boosters can be considered in patients that have previously um, received an mRNA vaccine and had a severe allergic reaction to a component of the vaccine. J&J boosters can also be considered when mRNA boosters are currently under, are, are unavailable due to supply issues. Um, that being said, currently there are no supply issues with the mRNA vaccines in the United States, and we're going to hope that it pays that way. Finally, if a patient has been educated on potential safety concerns with the J&J &J vaccine and still prefer to receive a booster with J&J, &J, um, it may be administered. Becca, would you like to add anything? Yeah, that was a great summary, Brian. Um, I'll add that though these three vaccines are relatively easy to find, in the U.S. currently, um, geographic limitations may influence the best decisions for patients, um, and other countries may have less options available. Um, I'll also add that safety warnings can affect a patient's decision here as well. Um, so, for example, there have been cases of myocarditis and pericarditis from mRNA vaccines, which are extremely rare, but have occurred in young males within seven days of receiving um, their second mRNA vaccine. This risk appears to be lower after receiving an mRNA booster compared to their primary series. Thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, or TTS, is again a rare adverse reaction in patients who have received um, the J&J &J vaccine, and the CDC recommends an mRNA vaccine for subsequent doses if a patient develops TTS from J&J or from AstraZeneca's vaccine um, due to the vaccines having the same mechanism. Cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome or GBS may also occur in patients who receive the J&J &J vaccine. And in those instances, again, the CDC recommends an mRNA vaccine for any subsequent doses. 
Of course, cardiac sequela and GBS can also occur from the COVID-19 disease. So weighing the risks versus benefits for your particular situation or your patient situation are important. Um, and then I would always recommend that if uh, patients have a history of these conditions that they discuss with their doctor, the best route that they could take. That was such interesting information. Is it safe to mix vaccines and what adverse effects can our patients expect? Brian? Yeah, so another great question. Um, I think Becca R did a really nice job highlighting some of the rare but more severe adverse effects that have been reported, um, particularly with primary series of these vaccines. Um, but I would say specifically when we're talking about mixing and matching boosters to date, the two studies that have evaluated this method in the U.S. have not identified any new safety signals that have warranted further investigation. The most recent data identified that adverse effects observed were similar to those observed with the primary series. So the most common adverse events reported were injection site reactions um, occurring in 75 to 86% of patients receiving the Moderna booster, 75 to 84% receiving J&J, and 72 to 92% receiving Pfizer. Um, patient reported systemic symptoms, including malaise, fatigue, myalgias, headache, chills, arthralgias, fever, and nausea that the patients reported as severe, um, which in this case meant limiting daily activities, um, also occurred in zero to 4.5% across study groups. Um, and these data are similar to, like I said, what was seen in the trials with the primary series. Four uh, participants were determined to have study-related severe adverse events um, including one patient with severe vomiting requiring a medically attended visit, um, as I believe was previously mentioned. Um, of note, though, no cases of thrombos uh, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, myocarditis, or Guillain-Barre syndrome were identified in this trial. Although, as previously discussed, there are um, rare cases reported with these respective vaccines. Uh, my advice to patients has been to expect similar adverse uh, effects to the uh, to the primary vaccination series um, with boosting, whether with a homologous or heterologous booster in general. Does any data exist about mixing and maxing vaccines that are not approved in the United States? Becca? Yes, there is a study called CoVoost, which was published in The Lancet last year that studied seven different COVID vaccines as a booster after either the AstraZeneca vector-based vaccine, which is similar to J&J &J in terms of mechanism, or the Pfizer vaccine. Um, this was a randomized controlled phase two trial in the UK um, and studied boosting with various vaccines. Some were available in the US and some are not. Um, the results were similar to the New England study I talked about earlier and that they found higher immunogenicity with the booster for either homologous or heterologous vaccines, except for a booster of Balneva vaccine after a Pfizer vaccine. Overall, the rate of reactions to the vaccines was similar with local and systemic reactions at higher rates within the first seven days in a few of the booster combinations. Notably, those primed with Pfizer and those who had received AstraZeneca or J&J &J and then received an mRNA vaccine. There's also some emerging data on mixing and matching within the primary series, um, such as the Comcov study, um, also published in The Lancet, which studied AstraZeneca's vaccine with Pfizer. So participants received either two AstraZeneca, two Pfizer uh, vaccines, or one of each. And then Comcov 2 also reviews mixing vaccines within the primary series, including Novavax, which may be useful as the FDA is planning to review this vaccine soon. Thank you, Becca and Brian, for joining us for today's episode of Therapeutics Thursdays and sharing your knowledge about mixing and maxing COVID vaccines.
If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's clinical resources. You can find the member exclusive offerings such as resource centers, including those on critical care, nutrition support, opioid management, infectious diseases, and more. Other offerings include the Credentialing and Privileging Resource Center, the Preceptor Toolkit, and forums such as the ASHP Connect Communities, where you can exchange ideas and post questions with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Therapeutic Thursdays and joining us here every Thursday, where we will be talking about with ASHP member content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.